the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God? You know, the great thing about our God being faithful is that it's who he is. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on how we behave. It's not based on anything that we could create within ourselves. God is faithful because God is faithful. That's who he is. And when he embraces you and chooses you for his own, you become immersed in that faithfulness because God is with you. He's behind you. He's before you. He walks in every situation with you. You don't face anything alone anymore as a child of God. You're in union with him. And there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Nothing you can do or have done will separate you from his love. You will enjoy that love for eternity. It doesn't just come in vignettes when you have a warm and fuzzy at church. It comes always. It is always there for you to embrace, and he is faithful to love you. The thing is, we profess that, just like we profess a lot of things. But profession and knowing can be two different things, can't it? That's where faith comes in, isn't it? Because you wake up and you feel like the world is coming against you. You feel like nothing is working for you. You feel rejected by your circumstances, by situation. You feel rejected by people around you. You have this sense that you're alone in the world. But you can stand by faith in the truth that you're not. Regardless of how you've acted or what you've done or what others have done, it does not change God. And that's the thing. He doesn't change. His disposition towards you is always the same. He's always looking to remove from you the obstacles, the barriers, the things that are removing your your clarity of vision of him, your sight of him, your ability to see him for who he is. And I think we clutter it. Just like dirt on a window, we clutter it with our behavior. We clutter it with our concerns. We clutter it with our worries and fears. And it gets so opaque, it gets dark, and we don't see the faithfulness of God. But let, let your soul be reassured 
that that blockage, that that thing that is between you and God is put there by you or the enemy. It's not put there by God. And all you need to do is reach out to him, walk around the obstacles and look with clarity at the love of God that is coming back at you. Look at the God who seeks to embrace you. Look at the God who who has sent his most precious gift to bring you into relationship with him. That's all. You know, recently my wife and I, the Lord allowed us to uh, purchase a piece of property in the country where we're building a small home. And when we first purchased this property, we pulled onto the site and there were, it was covered with all of these tall thistles with big purple flowers. Most of you know what I'm talking about if you've been around here. And they look from, you know, from a distance, they look fairly uh, harmless. But if you make contact with these things in any way, they're covered with all these fine little needles And those things will get to you. It's almost like they have a mind of their own. They're going to get to you. And when they do, they're going to stick and they're going to embed and they're going to sting. They're going to be quite uncomfortable. So my wife and I, being somewhat determined in spirit, decided we were going to rid the property of all these things. And so we waged war on them and went about pulling them up. Now, that was not easy. And with thick leather gloves, and sometimes even with double gloves, we were still getting stuck. And you know what was worse? Is that they were coming up quicker than we were pulling them. And eventually we got to the point where we said, you know what, this is impossible. So we'd just go around and pull the the buds off the top to keep them from, from reseeding. Well, that was a temporary solution. Because the root was still intact. However, it was easier than pulling them up. Now, I know most of you are very fascinated by this tale of woe, but it has a moral to the story. And by the way, the enemy is slowly losing ground. We are going to win this war. If you deal with the fruit and not with the root, you are destined to have to deal with the fruit over and over, and over again. Now, that's a simplistic illustration that has been used in various forms in dealing with besetting sin. That is, sin that is constantly reoccurring in your life. And the issues of the churches of the dispersion that James is writing to are, they basically have the same root. The root is carnality, or living to the flesh, Undisciplined souls that have established themselves in the body rather than according to who they are in Christ. And James has just addressed the double-minded, the worldly Christian. And he's pointing at the root. Now, I want you to understand something. People look at this and they think, oh, James, he's so condemning. He's so harsh. He's hard to read. I want to tell you something. All that James is doing is he's he's pulling up the things that are cluttering the souls of these people and not allowing them to experience the fullness of the relationship that God intended them for. He's not seeking to burden them. He's seeking to unburden them. And there's a huge difference. 
When the Bible points to sin, it's telling you there's a problem at the root, and if you will just allow Him, Him, to deal with the problem, the root problem, and deliver you, then you will see with a greater clarity His love, His goodness, His faithfulness. So James is pointing to the root And in our text, he is going to address some of the fruit. And the reason I'm taking this tack is because for centuries, Christian teachers and preachers have made the fruit the issue. We're going to talk about your sin. We're going to talk about your individual sin. We're going to talk about all the nuances of that sin. We're just going to talk about sin. Even in exposition of this text, there are reams of material dealing with the fruit, but not enough that really address the root. And in the New Testament, we see that the emphasis is primarily on the relationship with the Lord. And after that, after establishing that, it becomes about how we live. How do we live the Christian life? And you see this, even in the, in the Gospels, Jesus points at fruit and declares the root. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders hated him for, for it. They liked walking around with their glossary of sins, condemning people in their self-righteousness. They never got them beyond square one because the root was never taken care of. But Christ, when he came and he took the root of sin to the cross and he took it down into the ground, into death, and resurrected us into newness of life, we now have a new root. Jesus dealt with the issue of sin, but there is another place where sin tends to seed itself, and that is in the soul. Now, we have, we have bodies that are cursed by sin, so they have appetites that lend themselves towards sin, and we have the world that's constantly inviting us to live according to our flesh, and we have the enemy, the devil, and all of his group that's constantly inviting us to live according to the flesh. And as I've told you before, that's where he gets us. Because if you will live according to the flesh, that this body is who you are, every temptation is yours. Every temptation is yours when you live according to the flesh. And the enemy knows that. He has got to move you from who you are in Christ to who you are in the body, who you are in this world. And when you move into who you are in this world, who you are in the body, you are vulnerable because the enemy can come to you. And every temptation, you name a single temptation that isn't coming against the flesh. There isn't one. There isn't one. All right. We're going to go back briefly and look at some of the scripture that we have studied in order to maintain the context. And first, the first one I want to look at is at the beginning of chapter 4. This is where James points to the fruit of carnality in these churches. And James 4, verse 1, he says, What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from... Your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members, fighting for control over you. How often when you become angry or you become bitter, do you ask yourself, do you try to determine, why am I in this condition? How often do you do that? 
Most of the time, what we do is, well, I'll tell you why old so-and-so over there said such and such, or this person did this or the other, or my circumstances are this or the other. And that's not the question. The question is, why are you feeling this way? Why do you see things the way you do? And he asked the question. Obviously, James is not looking for a list of wrongs or justifications for quarrels and conflicts. He's not saying, y'all send me your letters and let me know why. In fact, he answers his own question. He wants them to examine the source of the unending conflicts among them. And they were just perpetuating themselves. And as I said before, we have looked at this, but it bears repeating. In examining the source or cause of division among the body of Christ or individually, we often point to the one who's offended us or has a disagreement with us. And whenever there's a division in the body or in a marriage, the source is not a person. Did you hear me? Whenever there's a division... In the body, speaking of the body of Christ, whenever it's a vision in a marriage, the source is not the person or a person. They can be wrong, they can be hurtful, they can be abusive, but they are not the source. If we are born from above, we can really recognize that division in the body, for whatever reason, has its source in the power of sin or in the flesh. In other words, what the enemy has wrought in somebody else or in you. That's where it comes from. It never originates in the heart of a believer. Why is that? We have a new heart. If you are a child of God, you have a heart that was crafted by God and made for him. So division doesn't begin there. So where does division begin? Why do these things take root? Why, where, are they, where are they accumulating? In the soul. In the mind, will, and emotions. That's where we find them. So, again, we come back to the issue of the soul. It never originates with the heart of the believer. It is a seed planted by the enemy in the soul, which is cultivated and harvested by the flesh. And we come back to the undisciplined soul that has found its identity in the flesh. It is the flesh that divides. And James answers the question, he says, Do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members, fighting for control over you? And the enemy wants us to seed our identity in the flesh. So he's ever active creating desires and lust and comparisons and that will create division. He comes against you and he says, look at her. Look at how she's dressed. Look at what she said. Look at how she acted. Look at him. Look at what he's done. Blah, blah, blah. And where are we focused on? The flesh. The flesh. Now, here's the thing. You can go back into the Gospels and you will see Jesus confronting sin. And you will see Jesus telling them that the issue with them is their sin. Now, he is very clear about this. The, they need to be born again in order to deal with the root. They need to be born again. Because sin, the behavior of sin, has its source in a sinful nature that he came to deal with, to do away with. 
As a child of God, we no longer have a sinful nature. What we have is a new nature, a spirit that's in union with him, and a soul that's merely an instrument. So, I'm going to put that up there. You see right there that we're born with a spirit with no life. That's when we're lost. And we have a soul, a mind, will, and emotion that is constantly taking in the things of this world. And our identity comes from without, not from within. We have nothing to answer the issues of our mind, will, and emotion at the center of us. There's no life there. We're lost. But when we become reborn... We have the Spirit of Christ in union with us at the center. And now our resource for knowing who we are and for answering the issues of the mind, will, and emotion are at the center of us and come from within. And we have life within, everlasting life. Now you say, well, you've shown us that before. We know. No, you don't. You need to be reminded. You know why I know that? Because I need to be reminded. I find myself grasping for the things outside of me, don't you? Trying to establish myself in the things around me. It's, just, it's real simple, a little thought, a distraction. Things go by and, you, and immediately you find the enemy trying to seat you in your body or in your soul. But you're seated with Christ, aren't you? Isn't that what scripture says? And the only balance you have for the mind, will, and emotion is the Spirit of God. You don't balance it out here. And that's the big issue. Everybody wants to find their balance externally, don't they? So we got coping mechanisms. Well, that's not what God called you to. So James answers the question, do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members, fighting for control over you? The enemy wants us to seed our identity in the flesh, so he's actively creating the issues. And when we allow those things to become the preoccupation of the soul, they begin to manifest themselves by ever-increasing degrees in our flesh. When we are focused on our flesh or the flesh of others, we have allowed our identity to be shifted from spirit flesh. So now I see myself according to the body and I see you the same way. That's the way I have to do it. If I see myself according to who I am in the flesh, according to the body, according to this world, then I'm going to see you the same way. Now that's a very important thing to remember in where we're going. That's why I'm rehearsing it all for you. When we are focused on the flesh or the flesh of others, We allow our identity to be shifted from spirit to flesh. We have become more enamored with the desires of our perceived injustice or our bitterness or our anger than we are with our communion with the Lord. And that happens real easily. Well, I'm so unhappy because I I don't have the job I wanted. I'm so unhappy because I married the wrong person. I'm so unhappy because I'm not as healthy as I could be. I'm so unhappy because I don't make as much money as I'd like. I'm so unhappy. You just keep naming it and naming it. 
and you lose the truth that you are blessed of God, that you have everything you need, that he is your healer and your provision, that he's the one that is holding you together in this moment, that you are doing as well as you're doing in this moment because he has allowed it to happen. Not because you have made it happen. And why would you want another man's house, another man's territory, another man's possession? Why would you want it? Because it's not what God gave you. You're never going to be able to be blessed in anything that is given of man. You will only be blessed in the things given of God. So, when we are focused on our flesh and others, we've been shifted from spirit to flesh. And when we become more enamored with our desires and our appetites and our hurts and our wrongs, we become more distracted with those things and we lose our sense of communion with the Lord. And asking the Lord to identify the source of the unrest in your soul is an attempt to walk in truth. It's seeking wisdom rather than justification for your carnality. You see, we rarely do that. And we think we feel the way we feel because of the externals around us, but that is not the truth. The truth is that we feel the way we feel because the externals have become our focus rather than him. We've allowed the externals to be more predominant in our thinking and in our living than walking in communion with him. The new creation is invited to seek the word, that's logos, the Word of God to find balance in the soul. When we talk about the Word of God, we're, we're talking about the Word that comes from His lips. He dictated this. We're talking about the words that He spoke. We're looking for a Word from Him. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active And full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you think... That you have more clarity about your condition than that? No, you don't. When you run across the disquieting feeling within you, when you run across the anger, when you run across the bitterness, when you run across resentment, when you run across comparison, when you run across whatever thing in your life that is causing havoc in your soul, you stop and you say, why, Father? Am I feeling, not why is it happening, but why am I feeling these things? Why am I allowing myself to be distracted by these things? You know why? You want to ask that question because you want to invite the Spirit of God to come in and divide between the perceptions of the soul, which are typically false, and the truth of the Spirit so that you can know the truth. And what do we know about knowing the truth? It'll set you free. That if you do not allow for that division, you will believe that the perception of your soul is reality. And it happens like that. Oh, no, pastor, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a pragmatic guy. I, I'm going to make a, you know, I don't, don't fall for all that. 
Yeah, tell me about that. You've been to a scary movie in your life? And it didn't move you. Right? You weren't afraid at all. You've been spooked by something that wasn't real? Don't lie. I know the truth of it. The reality is that all day long, every day, we're confronted with things to be fearful of. Why? Because the enemy wants to take your eyes off the truth and put them on the threat. The verse I just read is speaking of the logos of God. It means that God does not leave you ignorant. He is actively, the verse actually says actively teaching us, showing us the difference between what originates in the soul and what originates in the spirit. That soul is an open instrument, and like the thistles, things take root in there that will cause us continual pain. And often we become convicted by the presence of these things. I've been to the sermons where the pastors talked about this sin or that sin. I've become convicted about it. And what do I do? I pinch the bud. Lord, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to pinch the bud. In thinking that that does away with the issue. But it comes up again. Why is that? Because I didn't deal with the root. The root is not the issue of the sin. The root is the issue of my carnality walking without God, putting my focus on the things of this world, putting my attention into things of the flesh rather than in the things of God, not communing with Him on a regular basis, not seeking Him as He were the desire of my heart. That's where the root lies. And because I have been operating as though I had no God, the things that are not of God have accumulated in my soul because there's no regulation on those things apart from the Spirit. The soul has been open to all of those things. So we look for temporary relief. We get convicted. We pluck the bud. But we do not allow God to confront the root and begin to change the thoughts we entertain in the soul, the comparisons, the bitterness, the pride, the spiritual indifference to sin. And in short, we press on living in carnality. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.